0: Well, as we start into what really feels like summer, now that school's out, I've been thinking a lot about our remodel project, because before we know it, we're going to be meeting back in there. And uh, I think, you know, come into summer will be about the right time that we're moving back. There's been a lot of progress that's been done. We've got uh, a lot of wood's been put up in the coffers. There's a little bit more to go there. We've got pews that have been ordered. We've got flooring that is arrived, it's just waiting to be put in, lots of progress being made, and then giving-wise, a lot has been done as well. A lot of you have given a lot, and we are well along our way to our goal. Our initial goal that we set was 620000 and we're well over 400000 at this point that's come in. So that's exciting, that's encouraging, and as I was thinking about the project and all the things going on, I came to the book of Haggai. Haggai is the book where we're going to be. If you want to start turning there, before you do, I want to tell you, uh, make a a confession about one of the ways that I've grown just a little. I still have a long ways to go. But when Emily and I were first married, I liked to have lots of projects going and get very little finished. I don't know if some of you have had that experience. (laughs) I'd have a computer in some state of disarray in the basement that I was building. And then in the garage, there'd be a number of small engines that were in some form of having been completely torn apart. Uh, back in the house, you, know, you never knew what math problem was written on the piece of papers all over the house scattered. And nothing was ever done. They were just all works in progress. And inevitably, as Emily needed space to cook or something like that, she would say, can you finish something? Just get one of them done so I have some space. We're in the book of Haggai. And there was a project that needed to be finished in the book of Haggai. You see, the Israelites needed to check their priorities so that they could finish the project that God had given them to do. So today what we're going to see is that when they returned from exile, and I'll explain that a little bit, they were given the task of rebuilding the temple. But they faced a big problem. They hadn't really started. They had sort of started the project, but there was a lot to do. It was a little overwhelming. God gave them the solution, a good reason to do it. And they responded. And that's the book of Haggai in a nutshell. We'll dig into it a little bit deeper. But I want to sort of set the stage. If you remember back to your Sunday school days, if you were in Sunday school, you may remember King Solomon built God's temple. David had actually wanted to build God's temple. David had set out to build God's temple. And God said, no, it's not going to be you. It will be your son, Solomon, who will build my temple. So David collected all of the resources, basically stockpiled everything that Solomon would need. And Solomon built the temple. Well, after Solomon, his son Rehoboam took the throne And Rehoboam did not necessarily follow good advice. The kingdom ended up splitting. We had the northern kingdom of Israel that went off the deep end right away, and the southern kingdom of Judah, where the temple was located. In 722 BC, about 200 years later, the Assyrians came in, they invaded, they conquered the kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel. But the southern kingdom of Judah remained, and the temple remained. But the people did not honor God. And eventually, by 586 BC, Babylon invaded, ransacked the temple, burned it to the ground, and took everybody out. That's the stage that has been set. Because when we get to the book of Haggai, the people have been allowed to return. In 539, so remember 586 is when the temple fell, in 539... Cyrus, the king of Persia, gave an edict. He said, I am going to rebuild the temple of God. Actually, Isaiah prophesied that a man named Cyrus would rebuild God's temple. Um, Josephus writes that Cyrus was reading the book of Isaiah, saw his name in there, and said, that might be me. And so decided to rebuild the temple of God in case that was a reference to him. Turns out it was. Cyrus gave the command, go rebuild the temple in 536 BC. However, 16 years later, spiritual apathy set in. The command had been given in 536. Cyrus was no longer ruler of the mighty Persian Empire. And 16 years later, the foundation had barely been laid. The temple still sat in ruins. And that's where the book of Haggai picks up. So let's read Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak there's our verse. It gives us a date. Actually, it gives us a very, very precise date. August 29th, 520 BC. August 29th, 520 BC, the word of the Lord comes to a man named Haggai. God speaks through a man named Haggai. Now, what's significant about August 29th? It is the eve of the grape harvest. Grape harvest started in 520 BC on August 30th. And what we're going to see is there is an air of doubt because as people are looking at the harvest, they're realizing there's not really enough. There is not enough fruit to get us through the season. Our grain harvest lacked. Now our grape harvest is going to lack we might be in trouble. And as the people gather, Haggai receives the word of the Lord. We learn that the Persians are still in charge, no longer Cyrus, but Darius is on the throne. Darius, in his early years, was known for setting up a lot of taxation and inflation. There is economic trouble on the horizon. The people realize it. They're in trouble. And the prophet Haggai enters the scene. He's sent to give a very important message from God to the people. They've been in construction for 16 years. So, what is the message? We're going to get into that. And we'll start with verses 2 through 6. And the message is going to come initially in these verses. So read with me, Haggai chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You see, there was a problem. The problem was threefold. The problem was procrastination, wrong priorities, and wheel spinning procrastination, wrong priorities, and wheel spinning. The people said, it's not really the right time for us to do this project. You know, we started it 16 years ago, and look, the foundation's kind of sitting there. We've, we've staked it out. You know, there's some stone there, but it's just, the time's not good for me. I don't know about you, it's just not good for me. If you only serve God when it's convenient you might be procrastinating. If you only serve God when it's convenient, you might be a procrastinator. It is wise to wait for God's timing. I want to be clear about that. It is wise to wait for God's timing. It is foolish to procrastinate. There is a difference. And that's what Haggai has for the people to learn. Look at how, look at how God addresses. The people say, The time's not yet come to rebuild the house. It's not right. You know, we're kind of busy with other things. The harvest didn't really come in. We're kind of worried about our food. It's just not a good time. And look at how God addresses it. He says, these people say this. He doesn't say my people. He says, these people. Most of the time when God refers to Jews, he says, my people. Here he says, these people. God is frustrated with the people. He is specifically putting some distance between him and his people by saying, these people. Patience is a virtue, but procrastination is a symptom of a bigger problem. And these people have been procrastinating. Things were bad, yes. But it was time God had said to rebuild the temple. It was time. It wasn't easy. Cyrus had been taxing. It wasn't financially convenient. It really wasn't safe to walk around at this time. Zechariah, Zechariah and Haggai write at the same time. Zechariah writes about the violence and the danger that exists in the land. The people probably said, you know, God's promised the Messiah. Let's wait to build the temple until the Messiah comes that'll be the right time to build the temple. Let's put it off until Messiah comes. They had what I would call a hairline theological argument to wait. God's not impressed by our excuses. No. What was really going on was wrong priorities. If you consistently use your excess on yourself, then your priorities are wrong. That's that's the real issue that's going on here. Haggai writes, writing from the mouth of God, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? We have to understand what paneled means. The Hebrew word for paneled can mean wall panels. It could also mean a roof. Either way, it's the same idea. What what God is saying is, you guys are complaining about your lack of economic resources and your houses are really nice. You guys are complaining about not being able to finish the project and all your energy is going into something else. For anybody in this room, they would be condemned by today's standards. And God says, look how nice your houses are and you haven't focused on my house. You put all your energy into your. People have nice houses. Excess has been spent on yourself. But the problem is not that the people have nice houses. That's not the problem. In fact, God doesn't condemn them for having nice houses. The problem is that they have failed to rebuild God's house. You can have nice things. If God gives you the resources to have a nice car, great, have a nice car. If God gives you the resources to have a nice house, have a nice house. If God gives you the resources to eat nice food, eat nice food. But if you haven't given to God first, you better stop. God allows you to have nice things. If you look at Solomon... Remember, I told you Solomon built the original temple. Solomon's temple was beautiful, magnificent. And then after he built the temple, he built his house. And his house was beautiful and magnificent. But he got God's project done. Wrong priorities. If you use your excess consistently on yourself, then your priorities are wrong. And it leads to pretty bad disasters. God actually says, you're spinning your wheels. You've planted much, but harvested little. That's kind of a a broad statement, the way it stands out in the Hebrew. And then he follows that with uh, what are called infinitive absolutes. It's like staccato. It's to back it up. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat. You put on clothes. You earn wages. And it never gets enough. You eat you're never full. You drink, you're never satisfied. You put on clothes, you're never warm. You earn wages and they seem to disappear. Why? Because your priorities are wrong. Wheel spinning. If you feel like you're spinning your wheels, then you need to check your priorities. Now, I want to be really careful here. There is no such thing as karma. Good things sometimes happen to bad people. Bad things sometimes happen to people that are doing good. There is no such thing as karma. However, sometimes God tries to get your attention. And that is real. Sometimes you spin your wheels because God wants to get your attention. He says, all this isn't going right, is it? So why don't you come to me? Check your priorities. If things aren't going as you would expect them to go, then it might be time for self-reflection. It might be time to look inward and say, God, are my priorities right? And God might say, yeah, they are. I'm using this for something else. I'm using your heartache to do something else. And you can say, okay, God. But God also might say, no. You've been spending everything, all your time, all your resources on yourself, and I'm trying to get your attention. Are you ready to pay attention? That might be what God does. And that is exactly what God is doing here. Sometimes God disciplines us to get our attention. When things don't go as planned, we should go to God and ask, God, what's going on? Why isn't this working out? I trust you. And if this is your plan, i I'm willing to follow it, but it doesn't feel right. Is there something I need to do differently? Don't ever, though, get caught in the trap of karma. That's the whole point that Jesus made in John 9, verses 1 through 5. He encounters a man. And uh, the disciples, blind man, disciples say, Jesus, who sinned? Who's who's the problem here? Is it this man? Or is it parents? Because he's blind and that's not a good thing. And Jesus says, stop. Neither this man nor his parents. This is for my glory. This is so that God can receive the glory. That is sometimes the case. But sometimes as in Haggai, the case is God says, I want you to start paying attention to me. So let me give you an action step. Ask yourself a hard question. And if the question's easy, it means you're not actually asking yourself, okay? Ask yourself the hard question. Have I made God my priority? Take a second and ask yourself that question. It should be a hard question because we should have to do some hard searching. Have I made God my priority? In verses seven and eight, we get to the solution. Let me read verses seven and eight says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. The solution, get to it. Get to it. It's really actually pretty simple. You've explored, you've found this area where God's not a priority. Okay, there's a really simple solution. Make him a priority there make God the priority. Haggai starts off with this phrase, give careful thought to your ways. This is the second time that Haggai's used this phrase. We might translate it as consider your ways. Haggai uses this phrase a lot. Consider your ways. Think about it. Take a second. It's got both present and future connotations. Think about where you're at. Think about where you're going and just Consider it. Let's think about it. My last action step involved asking God, asking if you've made God your priority. This one is to think about it and give thought to your ways. And after careful thought is given, then it's simply time to get to work. There's a threefold command here for the Israelites or for the Jews specifically. Look at what... Haggai says to do. Go up into the mountains. Go. Get up. Go. It's time to get to work. Remember, what's the problem that the people have done? They've got these wood-paneled houses. So I want you to sort of think about the history and what happened. Remember Solomon's temple? Beautiful. 586 BC. They burn it to the ground. Okay, Some things burn. Some things don't. Wood burns. Stones don't. So... Presumably, if they're going to rebuild the temple, they brought in a bunch of wood. And then the people have wood-paneled houses. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. I think the people took the temple wood and said, you know, we haven't made much progress on this temple, but this would look good in my house. People had wasted God's resources on themselves. So the command is get up. Go up to the mountains and chop some wood down. And people say, but you don't understand. Those mountains are really far away and it's a lot of work to bring the wood down. And God says, and what's the problem? Get up, go and get to it. Get the timber. Build my house. God gave them a job and a very specific task. Go, get the resources, And start building the house. Because after the work is complete, God would be honored. After the work is complete, God is honored. When we finish this project, God is going to be honored. We are going to give God the glory. I hope we are now. But when the work is complete, God is honored. I have to tell you a story uh almost 10 years ago now i served on a church uh remodel committee and uh, we were working on coming up with what we needed to do to remodel the building what it should look like and we sat down in a room for several weeks of times that we were sitting in this room and we came up with the plan for what we thought it would look how we thought it could look good how we thought we could better use our resources and our space we wrote it all down we created some drawings and then we went to meet with an architect and the architect said okay that's great can you give me your blueprints and so i went and i was given the job of finding the blueprints and so i searched found boxes of blueprints and i opened up the blueprints and what i found were architectural drawings from 30 years ago that were the exact plans that we had just sat in a room for two weeks and developed (laughs) 30 years ago people at the church had come to the same conclusion 30 years ago people in the church had realized god Was calling them to make a remodel. 30 years ago, people in the church never finished the job. And this story could be told at churches across the country. Churches are bad at finishing what they started. Let's get to it. Let's finish well. That's my action step for us. Get to it. Finish what God's called us to do. Let's finish strong. In verses 9 through 11, we're going to see God's reason to finish strong. Starting in verse 9, it says, You expected much, but see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin. While each of you is busy with your own house, Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else. The ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. The reason things just weren't working out right. God says things aren't working right, are they? Then get to work. Things aren't working right. It's time to get to work. See, God has a variety of tools at his disposal for getting the attention of his people. Some of these tools that he used here. The crops back in May, remember we're in August 29th, so in their memory, they're thinking back to May when they harvested crops because that's when you harvest crops in that land. The crops looked good, but then when we harvested There just wasn't what we thought was out in the fields. Then what came in, it just seemed to disappear. We can't explain it. It just seems like there's never enough. The dew that we rely on day in and day out just didn't fall this year. When we sowed seeds in the ground, they just never seemed to germinate. God says, look, Things aren't happening the way they're supposed to be happening. It's time for reflection. It's time to get to work. Now, I don't want you to take this too far. Okay? In Deuteronomy 28, God had warned a specific people, the Jews, of specific curses for disobedience. God had warned of specific curses upon a specific people for disobedience in Deuteronomy 28. God has not warned the United States of America that if we abandon the law of God, he's going to bring a drought. I have not found that in the Bible anywhere. Okay? This was a curse for a specific people in a specific land under specific conditions. So don't take it too far. But do take the general principle that God does use natural law and the breaking of natural law, things that are abnormal to get our attention. If things just aren't going right, turn to God. Have you ever been in that sort of a situation where nothing is going right? We actually have had this situation. We've been doing various projects in the, in the sanctuary. You know, We're running wire and it's just not, the thing's not bending right. Or, you know, we keep getting stuck in a wall or all of these different things. And then finally, one of us inevitably says, you know, we haven't prayed about this yet. And we look at each other and say, I can't believe we thought we didn't think of praying about this. Let's pray. And sure enough, it's amazing how often this has happened. We pray about it, and the next time we try, it just works. Okay? The principle is... If things aren't going right, turn to God. If things aren't going right, turn to God. I had a completely different way that this came about in my life in terms of if something's not going right, check this first. If you're using a lot of water in your house, like your water bill spikes and it's not June in Nebraska, check the flapper on your toilet. It... it, Oftentimes, a running toilet uses a lot of water. We had a condo and uh, I was on the condo board and all of a sudden our water usage doubled on the board and we're like, what is going on? Well, it turns out they built all the condos at the same time, so they installed all the toilets at the same time, and so all the toilet flappers failed at the same time. (laughs) But the principle here that I want you to apply is if things aren't going right, turn to God. It is... A telltale sign that it's time to ask God. So, action step. Determine if you need to do an extensive spiritual health check. Take a second and and ask, do I need to do a spiritual health check? We go in and get physicals once a year. Some people do. Some people's spouses make them. (laughs) Go and get a spiritual health check. Make sure that your focus is on God. The response is in verses 12 through 15. It says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. The response God stirred people went to work. God stirred people went to work. Look at the steps that they took. Step one, listen to the message of God. Why do I say this is step one? Because I want you to understand how rare this was. If you read through your Old Testament, you will find time after time after time where a prophet said, go do this. And the people said, no, thank you. Here, the people listened to the message of God. I see an attitude of obedience. The people obeyed. I see an attitude of reverence. says the people feared God. They realized that this was God, and he was asking for their service. This was none other than the almighty God of the universe. I think oftentimes we fail to understand it's the almighty God of the universe who is asking for our service. Think about it for a second. If God took you up to heaven, to his throne room, said, I have a task for you to do, you would be all ears. Yes? Okay. You don't need God to take you up to heaven to know the task he has for you to do. It's right here. We should be all ears. The people here were all ears ears. Second, they recognized the presence of God. God was actually quite explicit with them. He says, I am with you. This task might seem daunting. It might seem impossible. You've got the God of the universe with you. Don't worry about it. God reminds them, I am with you. And finally, step three, God says, follow those that God has appointed to lead Follow those who God's appointed to lead. Zerubbabel, a descendant of David, a rightful ruler of the land. Follow him. He's going to carry this out. Follow him. Joshua, the high priest, the religious leader of the land. Follow him. So there's two things here. I want to speak to those of you who are leaders. Leaders, the majority of people will only go as far as you lead them. If you feel like people aren't going far enough, it might be because you're not taking them there. People will only go as far as a leader will take them. And everyone else, if you see your leader way out ahead of you, it might be time to pick up the pace. So keep that in mind. God's plan has these three steps. One, listen to the message of God. Two, recognize that God's with us. And three, follow those that God's appointed to lead. When I first came to UNL, boy, that was nine years ago now. When I first started UNL nine years ago, uh, there was an interesting program that was being developed in the math department. Uh, There was a, a strong leader that was telling people what to do and nothing was getting done. And I thought, what in the world is going on? So I began talking to people and finding out. And they said, oh, yeah, he tells us exactly what to do, but we figured out the trick. And I was like, trick? What trick? When we sit in meetings, we nod our head. And when we get out, we just go do what we want to do. That's a recipe for not getting anything done. We need to follow those that God has given us to follow. Really, what we need to do is we need to step up, step out, and get started. Haggai had a message for the people. You've been working on this for 16 years, but you've not actually made any progress. It is time to step up, step out, and get started. Next week, we'll talk about the first hitch in the road. First speed bump that they hit, but they got to work. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you give us the privilege of serving you. You could have built your own temple, but you didn't. Because you wanted the people to have that opportunity to take responsibility and to build for the God of the universe. And that goes for us today here. You give us the ability to serve. You give us the ability to complete tasks that you've put before us. Not for our glory, but for your glory. And so I pray that our priority would be you. Doesn't mean that we have to live in squalor it does mean that you need to be the priority. So I pray that we would, as a church, as individuals working together in a corporate body, check ourselves. Make sure that you truly are our priority. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.